Masechet Gitin, Daf Mem Bet. We're talking about a half-free and half-slave person. And we're discussing how can one come to be in such a, such a situation. We saw that everyone agrees that if you have a partnership, two people own one slave and one frees him, then yeah, you're going to have a situation where he's half-free and half-slave. And the Mishnah taught, Tikkun Olam, we force the uh, owner to free his half. Uh, the question is, however, what if it's one person that wholly owns a slave? Can he um, uh, can he uh, uh, free half of the slave that he owns? And we saw yesterday a b'raita that quoted machloket between the Rebbe Nasi and Chachamim. Rebbe Nasi said yes, an owner can free half a slave, and Chachamim say no, it does not work. Uh, on that, Rabbah is going to give a limitation. He already made one limitation yesterday regarding Ashtad versus Kesef. And now this is another limitation on that Machloket, Amar Rabbah. Machloket b'shesh shichrer chetzio v'hiniyach chetzio, avar shichrer chetzio u'machar chetzio, o natan b'matana chetzio, kevan d'nafik mine kule, tibre hakol kana. Rabban said the machloket between the biudanas and chachamim is only, uh, only applies in a case where the owner frees half of the person and leaves half of the person as a slave to himself. And that's where Rabbi says, yes, it works. But Chachamim say, no, you cannot do that. However, if the owner fully gets rid of uh, um, all of the parts of the slave, but he does it in pieces, uh, so he frees half of him. Half the guy is free. And the other half, he doesn't keep for himself, doesn't keep ownership, but sells the other half or gives the other present, uh, other half as a gift to someone else. So in that case, even though the slave is still half free and half a slave, from the owner's perspective, the owner uh, um, relinquished all of his ownership. Since the, owner sh- uh, since the owner relinquished all of his ownership, everyone agrees, even the Rebbe agrees that, that uh, the transaction works and the slave acquires half of his freedom. That's Rabba's basic principle. Okay, Amale Abaye, Abaye is going to challenge it. It's going to be a complicated challenge um, because Abaye's challenge is going to, the source of it is from two Baraitot, and these two Baraitot contradict each other. And one way that we're going to resolve the contradiction is to say that one is Rabbi and one is Rabbanan. And that will uh, be a challenge to Rabbah. What we're about to see, I just want to show you the outline. We're going to present these two Baraitot and then we're going to have four different ways of reconciling these two. Okay, so let's see what Abaye says. Is that true that if the owner uh, relinquishes all of his rights, then there's no machloket, but that doesn't seem to be right, because otherwise, how, how are you going to reconcile these two? But I thought, so the first Braita says that someone who writes all of his property is giving over to his two slaves. It works. They acquire the, all the property, including themselves. And so, therefore, they free themselves, and they and now that they're free, they can own property, and so it works. And, and they will free each other. Um, basically, each one is owns half of themselves and half of the other, and so they can get together and say, "Hey, I'll free your half, you free my half," and now they're totally free, and they split all of the assets. 
So according to the first Braita, Kanu, it works. But the second Braita, which it's a slightly different formulation, but on the surface seems to be the same, we're going to note a few subtle differences between the possible differences between them. The second one says, if some person, uh, uh, owner says, all of my property is given to this person and that person, my slaves, then they don't require, they don't acquire anything. They don't acquire the property. They don't even acquire themselves, apparently, because uh, you cannot acquire uh, half of it. You, can, you cannot acquire half freedom. And in this case, even though the owner is giving away everything. The owner keeps nothing. So both of these, but I taught, fit with the principle of nafik mine kule, and yet they contradict. So how are we going to resolve a contradiction between these two, but I taught? So my love, the easiest way is to say that the first, but I that where, who says it works, that's the opinion of the B. Because the B says, um, a person can, an owner can give a, can make someone half free and, uh, and half slave. And so it works. It works no matter what. It works whether he's giving away everything or whether he's not, whether he's giving away only half. The second one would be is Rabbanan. And Rabbanan would say, no, you cannot be, you cannot acquire half of a freedom, even from, even if the owner gives away everything and he's giving this slave half and that slave half, it doesn't work. A slave cannot acquire half of himself. And so it seems that Rabbanan would say it's no good no matter what, even if the owner gives away everything. And that is a challenge to Rabbah, right? Because otherwise, how else can you resolve the contradiction between these, between these two? All right, so that is the challenge. And so now Rabbah has to find a different way to resolve these two. But I taught, and so that's what we're going to see, four different ways of resolving these two. But I taught. So here we go. Here's number one. La In fact, both of these but I taught can be Rabbanan. Rabbanan say in general, if uh, one master just frees half of his slave but keeps keeps the other half, that's no good. Um, but in these two cases, there is there, there is a difference, and both of them are Rabbanan. And the difference is that in the first Badaita, he says everything. I'm giving everything to both of you, right? Um, kind of like he's making his two slaves partners, and he's saying, I'm giving you both everything, and then you'll split it up. So that's fine, because he's giving away everything, and the slaves are acquiring everything. Um, and uh, then, when they come to split it up, they're going to be like, okay, I get this half the field, I get, you get that field, I get half of you, wait, I don't want half of you, you can, I free you, and you free me. So that's why that works, because the uh, owner is giving away everything all at once. Whereas the second one is a case where he says half and half. And it doesn't say the word chatsi. In this part of the, of the B'raita, we're going to see that this B'raita, the second one, has a continuation of Sefa. But even from the Resha, you can, says, you can see that it says leploni ufloni. Meaning he's not treating them as one unit, like a partner, uh, like one partnership that has two people in it. But rather, he says, I'm giving you half and I'm giving you half. In that case, that's more problematic because um, to each person, to you, I'm giving half. Well, I'm only giving half, but according to the banan, that doesn't work, right? Even though uh, I am uh, uh, consecutively or at the same time also giving half to the other guy, 
but this is a violation of the principle that you can't make someone half free. So according to, so therefore, we see that Rabbah can, uh, can indeed uh, defend himself and say Rabbanan would agree that if you give all of your all of the property away at once, then it, then it works. That's the first Padaita. But if you don't give all of your property away at once, but you give half to this and half to that, it's not giving it away all at once. Uh, it's two separate uh, transactions. Even if it's simultaneous, it's still two separate transactions, and that's why it doesn't work. Okay, that is the uh, that's the first reconciliation. We're going to have a challenge to it, but we're going to answer the challenge. Turns out that the second beraita has a continuation. So the beginning says, if you give all of your nechasim to ploni and ploni, my slaves, then it doesn't work. They don't even acquire themselves. And the sefa says, And if he said, you get half and you get half of my property, then it doesn't work. It also doesn't work. Now, if the sefa is a case where he said, you get half and you get half, then we can infer that the resha is where he said everything. Um, and then both the first badaita would be a case of everything and the second badaita would be a case of everything. So then you can't make this distinction. And so we answer, In fact, we could say that in the second badaita, there's not a contrast between the Resha and Sefa. They're not talking about two different cases. But rather, the Sefa is explaining the Resha. In the Resha, when he says, Liploni uploni, what, and, and, we, and we said, Lo kanu, what we mean by that case is, when he says, you get half and you get half. That's why it does not work. Good. And we say, you know what? I can even prove that this is a the best interpretation of the Braita. Um, because if you think that they're talking about two different cases, and the Resha is talking about a case where he said, um, that where he says, I give away everything to both of you at once, and that doesn't work. So if that doesn't work, then all the more so, when the owner gives it away piecemeal, half and half, do you even have to bother mentioning it? It will be by Kal Vachomer. So you know what? This is actually a, a, a very good way of reading it, and so we're supporting Rabba's uh, reading of the of these two Baraitot, and so we actually have a proof for it against Abaye, and then we're going to say, no, not necessarily. The Baraita is actually uh, ambiguous. Uh, you, you can read it another way also. You can read it as being two separate cases. If it's because of this proof, then you know what? I, I would not necessarily accept it because could be told by two different cases and I still need, I still wouldn't mention both of them and I would mention the case in the Sefa to reveal the, what case what the case is, is in the Resha. Shelotoma Resha damar chasi chasi aval amar kolo kanu tana Sefa so that you don't say the the resha is where you say is a case of chazi chazi, and that's where it doesn't work because he's giving it away piecemeal. But if he gave away all of it at once, then it works. In other words, if I only had one clause, only the resha, then I would think that it only applies to a half half case. So that's why I actually do need the sefa. And I need the sefer to, to specify case of chasi chasi, so that I know that the resha is talking about a case of kulo, and so that I can learn that even in the case of kulo, when he gives it away all at once, even so, it does not uh, it is not valid. 
So one could uh, interpret the, the, this beraita as talking about two separate cases, and therefore it's not necessarily a proof. Although you could also read it as one case, and that's the way we would read it to, in order to defend Rabbah. All right, good. So now we, uh, that's one way of answering the, uh, of, of solving the problem. And now we have a second way. So again, we have two beraitot, and we want to try to resolve them because they seem to be talking about very similar cases. So the second way of resolving it, the second beraita that says it does not work, they do not acquire it. That's talking about when he uses only one document, and there's a principle. You can't use one document to free two slaves, right? Each slave requires their own get shichrur. Um, and so that's why it doesn't work in that case. Whereas in the first Braita that it says it does work is when he's using two different documents. And he says, here, you get half and uh, free, and you are free, and you get half. So that's why it works because it's two documents. All right. Now, and now we ask, because remember, the second Braita had a Sefa, and the Sefa um, uh, was talking about Hasi Hasi, and we already um, interpreted that as meaning like a, a commentary on the first. So we say, now we're asking, if there's only one, if the problem in the second Braita is that there's only one Get Shichrur, and you can't free two people with one Get Shichrur, then why do you have to bother saying? that's a case when he said half and half as if that's the problem that is piecemeal even if he said every you you get everything uh, uh, all at once it also wouldn't be good because he's using one get for two people so why would you bother bringing in an extra complication of hasi hasi when that's not the the, the reason right no matter what it's not going to work and so we explain oh we can actually read this answer into the brayta hachinami ka'amar we we're we're using uh yes indeed so um, that, that is in fact what the Braita teaches. Af atzman lo kanu, they do not acquire themselves. That's when you, you, he uses only one shtad for two people, it's not going to work. But if he has two shtadot, then it will be fine. And the Sefa is adding one more uh, different law that, oh, by the way, if, you, if, the, if he frees them piecemeal, you get half and you get half, then even with two shtadot, it also won't work. So the Braita is teaching us both of these laws, in fact. Okay, so now we have two ways of resolving the Braita in a way that will support Rabbah against Abaye. And here is here, now we have a third. This third one is going to be rejected, however. Uh, the third answer is that the first Braita is talking where that says it works. That's when he gives, uh, he, he frees both of the slaves simultaneously. He says, you both get your freedom and uh, you get all the property and now you know go ahead go and split it because he does it simultaneously so then that's good because now they they each uh, get their halves and then they can free each other but the second braita is when they do it one after the other and so here's the problem he free first i free slave a when I free slave A, he's only half free, and the other slave is, is, not, is nothing. And so then when I do the other slave, then he's only half free. So they, it's not happening at the same time. All right? What really is happening here is that I'm, giving, I'm, giving, I'm going to slave A. He says, okay, you get all my property. Well, the second that happens, you know, he can get everything, including slave B. But now slave B is going to be a, a slave to slave A. Right? And so... 
this is not going to work. So now, uh, uh, so that's why it doesn't work. Now we ask about that. Now we understand why the second slave will not acquire his freedom because the first slave already acquired the second slave. But the first slave should acquire everything because if I said, hey, you get, uh, you, you, the slave A, you acquire your freedom and my property. And then I say to slave B, so he, uh, slave B, you acquire your freedom and my property. So the first one should, it should work because he's getting everything. So you're right, you know what, this answer is not going to work. Um, so we're going to go back to one of the first two answers. Okay, so now we rejected the third one. Now we have the last answer, which is the, the first three are actually uh, Stam. The last one is named Rav Asheh Amar. Rav Asheh says the problem of the, in the second B'raita is that he said the word Avadai. Uh, if we go back to look exactly at the language, you can see it. He says, Kol nechasai, all of my property is given to this person and this person, my slaves. In other words, he's still calling them slaves. Well, you can't free someone if, if you're still calling them slaves. That shows that you're not really freeing them. What you're trying to do is give your property to these two people, but you want them to remain slaves, but they can't. If they remain slaves, then they can't own their own property. You give something to a slave, it goes right back to the owner, right? And so by calling them slaves, he's showing he's not freeing them. That's the problem in the second B'raita. The first B'raita, he doesn't call them slaves. So the first B'raita works because he's really freeing them. Good. That's Rav Asheh. Rav says to Rav Asheh, wait a second, that's, what, that's not a problem. He's saying slaves that they had been slaves. He's referring to him, I give all my property to you and to you and you. My slaves, he means that you had been my slaves, but now that I'm gifting to you all of my property, and within his property are the slaves themselves, so he's gifting to them, he's freeing the slaves and giving them their own freedom. And so that's not a problem that he's calling them slaves. He means in the past tense. And Rafram has a proof from a Mishnah in, in Pe'ah. Mila tenan. Hakotev kol nechasav le'avdo yasa le'harut. Shir karka kol shehu lo yasa le'harut. Someone writes that all my property should go to my slave. The slave goes free because he acquires all, the slave acquires all of his property. The slave himself is included in that property. And so at, simultaneously he acquires himself and all the rest of the property. That works. However, if the owner said, I, uh, I give everything to my, to my slave except for this, uh, some piece of land, then it doesn't work because he, there he's, he's retaining for himself some piece of land and we suspect maybe he wants to retain for himself some uh, a slave too to work on the land. And so if he's holding something back, then it doesn't then it doesn't work. That's according to Tanakama. Rabbi Shimon Omer Laulam Hu Ben Horin Ad Shiomar Kol Nechasai Netunim Leploni Avdi Hutz Mehad Meribo Shebahen. Rabbi Shimon says even that that case that that the Tanakama mentioned would work because all he said was I want to hold back some land. He didn't say I want to hold back any slaves. So he's giving away all of his property, including all of his slaves. If he's holding back a little land, the slave still goes free and gets all the rest of the land. Rabbi Shimon only says it doesn't work, right? So he'll be free unless the owner said, all of my property is given to this person, my slave. This is why I bring this because he still calls him my slave. Except for one ten thousandth of my property. He's not holding back land specifically. He's holding back some property, even though it's a small amount. But we don't know what part of the property does he want to keep, keep uh, a piece of land, a cow, uh, a vase, 
a slave? We don't know. Since it could be that he wants to keep for himself the slave, therefore the slave does not go free. And since the slave is not free, he cannot acquire any part of the property. Okay, that's the Mishnah. Now we analyze the language that Rabbi Shimon quotes, Lifloni Avdi. So, and we see that Tama Damar Chadri What is Rabbi Shimon's problem with this formula? The problem is that he's, the master is holding back one ten thousandth of everything he's giving. Ha, and that could be part, part that could be the slave himself. Ha la Amar Hachi Kane. But if he didn't say that, if he said and he left out the chutz, then Rabbi Shimon would agree that that works. It's totally fine. But according to you, Rav you should object to this Mishnah and say, no, he's, he's calling him my Evid. So that means he doesn't want to free him. But you're right, we see in the Mishnah, Rabbi Shimon doesn't say that. Evidently, Rabbi Shimon in this Mishnah has no problem with calling him a slave because what he means is that I'm giving it to this person who up until now has been my slave but now by giving him all my property now he won't be my slave and the same thing in the in the second Beraita uh, there's no problem that he's calling him uh, his slave what he means is actually to free him and uh, and say that you had been my slave and therefore Raphram disagrees with Rav Ashe's, um, uh, resolution to the two Baraitot. All right, that ends that discussion. Now we have a next discussion of damage that happens to someone who is half free and half slave, right? And even though we saw in the Mishnah that if someone is half free and half slave, we force, according to Bet Shammai, the person that's a half owner to free him, but until he does that, or according to Betilel, before Betilel changed his mind, um, so you could still could have a situation of someone who's half free and half slave. And now, what if that that uh, half guy is gored by an ox? Who collects the damages? Okay, very convenient. We saw according to Betilel that a half free, half slave person, he one day he works for his master, Sunday works for him, Monday he works for himself, Tuesday he works for his master, Wednesday he works for himself. So it depends when did the ox gore him, right? This is uh, damages that happen, uh, you know, uh, like on the job. So that's actually part of the income. Whoever owns the uh, the um, a slave, let's just say a regular case of a slave, um, right? I own a slave, an ox comes and gores him. The payment goes to the owner. Um, it's because this is property. The payment doesn't go to the slave. So therefore, if it happens to be on a day, Sunday, when the half-slave is working for his master and he's gored, then the owner of the ox will pay the master. If it's Monday and he's working for himself, so then that's like a free person who gets gored. He collects his own damages. Good. Now we challenge this statement. Wait a second. So now you want to tell me uh, if in fact you treat him fully like a slave on one day and fully like a free person on another day, then why not say on a day that he's working for his master, so now he's treated fully like a slave on that day, let him marry a, a, a maidservant on that day because he's a slave and he can marry a maidservant. And on the day that he's free, 
So now he's treating him as fully, him, fully his own. So let him marry a bat chorin on that day, right? And that's going to be kind of confusing, right? That was, what's he going to do with his wife the next day? So obviously this is preposterous. And so we should not treat the person as fully one and fully the other, um, but maybe they should split the, uh, the, 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 the fine, the damages. And so we answer, No, this is, uh, we're not talking about a prohibition. When we talk about monetary uh, um, status, the monetary status can be split all one day and all the other. You own yourself one day and you keep all your profits. You work for your master one day and he keeps all the profits. Damages are part of the profits that a master keeps fully on that day, but not on another day. But regarding a pro- prohibitions, being prohibited to marry this one or that one, that applies all the time. Um, and does, does not get split between one day and the other. And in fact, a half-free, half-slave person cannot marry a slave, cannot marry a free person. Okay. Tashema. Hemit mi shechasyo eved bechasyo ben chorin noten hasi kenas lirabo vechasi kofer leyorshaf. Now we're going to once again challenge this first statement um, and uh, uh, from the second statement here. If a ox comes and kills not only damages, but kills someone who is half slave and half free, then the owner of the ox has to pay uh, has to pay a fine, and he gives half of that fine, uh, which is the entire fine is thirty shekel. It's a standard amount for uh, for an eved kenani. So he gives half of the fine to the owner and half of the fine to the heirs of the eved of the eved kenani. Um, the, uh, this eved is dead, so uh, so he's uh, this half person, half person is dead. Um, so he's not going to get it, um, but it goes to his heirs instead. So what we see here is that we split the fine half and half. Um, so we so we amai hachinam elema yom shel rabo lerabo yom shel asmo lasmo. Why don't you say same thing as you did here in the case of damages? Uh, depends depending on the day. On Sunday he's fully a slave. On Monday he's fully free. So we should see what day did what day did he was he killed uh, by this uh, shor on? And so then whatever day it was, if it was Sunday. Then the owner should get all thirty shekel. If it was Monday, then the heir should get all thirty. Should get all thirty shekel. Why are you splitting it half half in this case? And the answer is No, in this case where the guy dies, that's different because the principal is consumed. In the case of damages, so he got a damage. He uh, uh, hurt his arm. And they'll get better, right? And so the principle is still there, but just there's damages. If the damages happened on the owner's watch, the owner gets it. If it happened on his own watch, then he gets it. But that's only temporary damage. In the case of when you killed the guy, so now the he's he's gone for he's gone forever. And uh, the 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 Sunday guy loses out. The Monday guy loses out. The owner loses totally. So you you can't say oh it happened on Monday. So sorry, owner, you don't get anything. Wait, you ruined my principle I deserve to get I owned half of it and you took away you destroyed totally the principle of my half so you have to pay me half and for himself also he's dead but his oh, his heirs deserve to get the other half now the Gemara asks a question 
kalya karna. What would be a case where the principle is not destroyed? In other words, this memra here, remember that we started off, this is not a braita that we start off with, but rather an Amoraic statement. Um, so what would be a case that you would have to pay the, uh, the, the master if it was his day or himself it was, if it was his day, if he was gored and damaged by an ox and the principal was not damaged, right? Where, how, would, how would you have such a case? Uh, so, okay, easy. If the ox gored, struck his hand and his hand was uh, injured, but it will get better. And so it's only temporary loss. Um, so then that's what he would have to pay and uh, and that would be a payment on to to the master if that was his day all right that works only that would make sense according to Abaye as opposed to Rava as we'll see in a second Abaye says that um, if there's an injury of an ox to, to a person or an injury of any type of uh, one to another uh, then he has to pay the Shevet Gedola and Shevet Ketana. This means the value of the loss of the value of that slave and also the fact that he is not, he's not working during that time. Now here's the thing, when a human uh, injures a, a, a slave, then the, then the payment has to be for both of those things for the, um, the damage to the principal that is now less, um, even if it's temporary, according to Abaye, right, even though the person will get better, you still have to pay for the loss of the principal for that amount of time. Um, and you also have to pay for the loss of work. And now this would make sense according to Abaye, because here's the thing, when, a, when it's an ox that damages someone, then you don't have to pay for the loss of Shevet, of, the, of not working, but rather only for the loss of principle. And Abaye says there is payment of loss of principle even for a temporary injury. So according to Abaye, we have a, a case that makes sense that he has to pay the, the, the owner, the owner of the ox has to pay the owner of the slave for that temporary loss of that principle of the, for that injury. However, However, Ravah says that someone, when someone injures a slave, then he does not pay, and it's a temporary injury, then he does not pay for the loss of principle because after all, he's going to get better. So why do I have to pay for the loss of principle? Rather, I only have to pay for the loss of the livelihood of the work of each day that the slave can't work. But we have a principle that you only pay, pay for the loss of livelihood uh, if it's a human that injures a slave. But if it's an ox that injures a slave, then there's only pay, payment for damage and not payment for day-to-day. -day. And according to Rava, if there's a temporary injur injury, then there's no payment for damage. And so there will be no payment at all, according to Rava. So wh what case was that Memra that we started with talking about? And we have two answers. Maybe he's talking about actually when a human struck him, even though the language of that Memra was when an animal struck him. So we'll, we'll change the, um, the situation. Uh, for Rava would have to say, no, that only applies if it's a human that uh, hits the slave and causes him a temporary injury 
So he will be healed, therefore, according to Rava, there's no payment for principal, but he was out of work, so then he would have to pay for being for that those days that he didn't work. And uh, that payment, if it happened on a day when the, he was a, um, a servant, when he was supposed to serve his master, then the payment will go to the master. Or we can just answer even more simply that that is not a baraita, it's a statement of an amora. Rava is also an amora. He could say, I don't agree with that halacha. Right? So leave it as an ox, and the Rava will say, no, there's no payment there at all. So there's no problem. All right, good. Now we're leaving off, we're leaving the topic of half slave, half free, to talk, to go back to the case where you have a slave who was freed monetarily, but still has a prohibition. So it is also kind of a case of half free, half slave, but not that it's uh, uh, not that he's uh, half owned and half not owned, uh, but rather he is uh, the master freed him monetarily by making him get, but still has to give him a get, and he can't yet marry, still has the prohibition upon him. So we're going to see a couple of um, uh, uh, questions about his exact status regarding damages and regarding terumah. So, if you have a servant who was freed monetarily, but he still is waiting to get his get shichirur, um, and uh, should the uh, someone kill that slave, an ox kill kill the slave, and so the Torah says you have to pay thirty shekel. This is a thirty shekel fine, no matter what the value of the slave is. Um, who gets it, right? Does uh, does the payment go to the master or not? Does the master not get it? Um, on the one hand, the master, the, um, he's still a slave because he doesn't have get the get, but the master doesn't own him monetarily, so maybe he shouldn't get it. So that's the two sides of the question. The Pasuk says that 30 shekelim have to go to his master. Who do you say? Well, this is not the master because he is no longer owned monetarily. Since the owner, the master, still does have to give him a get shikhrur, so he is called the master. Um, this is a good question. We'll attempt two answers. Tashema. Hemit mi shechasyo avid bechasyo ben horin. Noten hasi kenas rabo vehasi kofer le yorshav. So remember this, Braita. If someone killed. An ox killed someone who's half free and half slave, so he gives half the half the fine to the master, and half the fine goes to the uh, heirs. And now, my love, kemishna acharona. Right now, we shouldn't we assume that this beraita is going by according to bet shamai and according to bet hilel after he changed his mind. Mishnah Acharona, meaning uh, we're always going to follow Bet Hillel, but is it, aren't we following Bet Hillel after he changed his mind? Now, Bet Hillel, after he changed his mind, which is the same as Bet Shammai, says that the court forces the guy, the owner of half of the slave, to free him. Now, at that point that the court orders him, free him, that's the same as the, the slave being Hefker. Right, and he can't, he can't work him anymore. He doesn't own him any, anymore monetarily, but he still has to give him a get, a get shichurur. So that opinion of Bet Shammai, which Bet Hillel eventually agrees with, is the same as our case um, of uh, someone who is monetarily free, um, but still is waiting a get shichurur. And the Spiraita says that the owner gets the fine. Now, in this case, the only owner only gets half the fine because he only owns uh, he only owns half of him. But if he owned the whole thing, the whole slave, but was monetarily free, he would get the whole thing. So isn't this a proof that the owner does collect the fine? 
even though he doesn't own him monetarily? And the answer is that's not necessarily a proof. Maybe this Baraita is assuming the opinion of Betilel before he changed his mind. And at that point, Betilel says, work one day here and work one day there. And the owner, the, uh, the, the master, has full ownership over him on those days. And so it does not have, is that, that's full ownership, not on that day, on Sunday, it's full ownership and not um, uh, 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 including monetary ownership. And so therefore, that would, deserves the fine because of that. And we can't prove anything from this baraita about, uh, about a slave who is not monetarily owned, but wait and get shichrur. So no proof from there. Second attempt, Tashima, he peel et shino vesime et aino, yose beshino venoten deme aino. We know that the Torah says that if an, a master knocks out his, uh, his Eved uh, Kena'ani's tooth or eye, then he goes free. Now, what if he does both? The owner knocked out the tooth and the eye of his servant. So um, when he knocked out his tooth, the owner, the slave goes free. Now, and now he's a free person and the eye, he has to pay for the owner. The now previous owner has to pay the, the damages for the eye. That's what the Braita says. Let's analyze. For this proof to work, we are assuming that when the slave uh, when he knocks out his tooth and he goes free, he goes free only monetarily, but he still has to give a get. But we're going to discuss that assumption in a second. Okay, assuming that, that this case here of his knocking out the tooth, and then the owner has to further pay the former slave for his eye, um, and this is a case of where he is mechusar get. Now, let's look, uh, we can have a kavachomet here. If you say that, uh, if you say up, up here, the answer to that question was that when the ox gores and kills a, uh, a slave, then the payment goes to the master, um, uh, the master who is only, um, who doesn't have monetary, but only is mechusar get. If you say that, it wouldn't make any sense because here in this case, where the, uh, uh, where someone, in, in that case with the, with the ox, where someone else gores the person, the slave, the master gets the fine. In this case, where the master himself injured the slave, the, should the master have to pay the other guy? In other words, in, in the case of Epilet Sheno, when the master himself is doing the injury, uh, and we say the master has to pay the slave, even though he's still, he's still mechusar get, so, and the master has to pay him, so all the more so if the damage comes from a third party, someone else's ox, that the, that money should go to the slave or his heirs and not go to the master. And so this is a proof that they, um, uh, an owner who, is, uh, who does not have monetary uh, ownership but only is a mechusar get should not receive, should not be able to collect a fine. Okay, so this would be a good answer according to the assumption that we said, but Dilma Kemandamar enosarich, but maybe the, this, uh, in this case, the owner does not have to give a get shichrur. Once an owner knocks out the tooth of his Evid Kana'ani, the Evid Kana'ani goes free totally monetarily and prohibition-wise. Um, so we, if we follow that, then there is no proof. The Tanya, and now we see a Braita, that this is a major machloket. According to Ishmael, in all of them, so we're, uh, what we're learning now is that a get uh, uh, 
Ebed Kenani goes free for tooth and eye. The Torah says those explicitly. But the rabbis derive that also for other limbs, a, 24, a list of 24 different limbs uh, that uh, also if the, uh, if the owner damages, his slave also goes free. So now, according to the Bishmael, for all of them, for all 24, um, the slave goes free, and he needs a get shichirur uh, from his master. That's a Bishmael. Uh, so according to that would be a good proof. It would be. It would have been a good proof. But Abimeir says, he does not need a get. So that person, the status of this person, of this uh, uh, slave, is totally free. And that's why he collects. So it's not comparable to our case. Right, so many opinions on this side and many opinions on that side. Um, and so uh, it would only be a proof according to half of them, not the other half. Now, what are we going to do for those who actually have to make a decision and they're ruling before the sages and they're going to find a compromise. And they say, who said, you don't have to give a get. That's for Shen and Ayin. The Torah says explicitly, they go free. That means they totally go free. Uh, for eye and tooth, the Tzintzah Torah says, you go free. So they get totally free and doesn't have to give a get. Uh, whereas according to Rabbi Abat, um, uh, uh, we, uh, it makes sense, the, the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, that he has to give a get, that would make sense in the other limbs, since that's a fine of the sages, uh, not in the Torah itself. Now we ask about that. Kenas, you're calling that a fine of the sages? We learned it from a, pas- we learned it from a derashav, a pasuk. So it still, still should be a deoraita, not just a drabanan. Right? We're learning it from a pasuk, so it still should have Doraita status. Okay, rather what we meant to say, not that knas chachamim, that the rabbis made it up, but rather it's a midrash chachamim, and there is a difference of authority between something that the Torah says explicitly and something that's learned from a midrash halacha. This is a really important statement about what is the status in general of, of a midrash halacha, and uh, we see here that it does, in fact, make a difference, even though they're both de- still will be called deoraita. Both are called deoraita, but still they have different uh, 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 different values. Be- uh, I, Shen and Ayin that are said explicitly in Torah, if the master knocks those out, goes free totally, because everybody knows that the, that uh, Shen and Ayin they go they go free, and so everybody will say, "Oh, look, what happened to your tooth? Your master knocked it out. Oh, you're totally free." Everybody knows that. But for the other ones, which is based on the Midrash HaChamim, it's not so explicit. Not everybody knows every Midrash. So there, the, um, we, the, slave, the, the master would be, would be required to give a get shichrur in addition. Um, and not, uh, when he knocks out his, uh, his hand, then he goes free monetarily, but still has to give a get shichrur. So bottom line for us, according to this compromise position, is that the case here that we brought as proof was about shen ve'ayin. And so according to the David HaMachri'in, the compromise, they say shen ve'ayin, you don't need a get at all. Since you don't need a get at all, this person does not have a status of anything in between. He's totally free. Since he's totally free, once the master knocks out his tooth, that's why the master has to pay the slave for his eye, but we can't learn anything from here regarding the mechusad get, um, whether that fine goes to the master or not.
All right, and last question. We know that a Kohen can eat Teruma, and so can his wife, uh, even if she is a Bat Yisrael, and so can all of his slaves and servants. They can all eat Teruma. But what if the Kohen owns a slave, but then um, does not have monetary ownership over the slave, but is um, still didn't get a Get Shichrur? So he's like half a status of a slave. Um, can that slave continue to eat teruma under the um, uh, the ownership of the master, or since he's not monetarily owned, he can't? Here's the two sides. Kenyan Kaspo, Amarachamana Pasuk says that anyone who is Kenyan Kaspo, the, the, the owned monetarily um, by the master, can eat Tiruma. But this person, this slave, who is no longer owned monetarily, is not Kenyan Kaspo and therefore cannot eat Tiruma. Or do we say, since the owner still has to give a get? To the to the slave, so the slave is still under the authority of the master, and uh, therefore can eat teruma. So here we'll attempt an answer. Tashima damarav mesharshia kohenet shenit arev velada bevlad shifchata. An interesting case of a batistel who's married to a kohen who has a baby. At the same time, she also has a maidservant who also has a baby, and the babies get mixed up. So one of these babies is a free person um, who is uh, who is the son of a kohen and can eat teruma. One of them is a uh, is a slave, but is owned by a kohen. Um, but we don't know which one is which. Now we say hare elu ochlin elu Both of them can eat teruma. Why not? One is a uh, uh, they're both under in the household of a Kohen. So that's fine. When they go to collect teruma, they only deserve one portion uh, altogether. So they actually have to go together. A slave is not allowed to go to the threshing floor alone to collect the uh, the um, the portion on behalf of the household. Has to, they have to, he has to go together with, an act, with the actual Kohen. Uh, but they can go together to collect it, so they get one portion for both of them, and so it doesn't matter which one's which, as long as they go together, that's fine. But here's what's interesting, when they get older, the one has they have to free each other, we don't know which one is the slave and which is the one is the owner. So when they get older, right, eventually the father will die, and the son will inherit. Now we don't know which one is the actual son, but one of these two is the son that inherits the other the other one who's a slave. So one of these owns the other. Now, what do we see from here? That even though one owns the other, he can't work the other because we don't know which one is which, right? Each one will say, no, I own you. They will say, I own you. So basically, they have no monetary ownership over each other. Was monetary, monetary ownership would have come with the ability to work them. Yet, even though there's no monetary ownership, they can still continue to eat teruma. So this is a good proof, right? We say wrong. No, it's not the same because in this case where the kids get switched, we just we are in doubt. But if Eliyahu Navi would come, or if someone would uh, or, uh, uh, suddenly discover a DNA testing, then we would know which one. What one of them is a hundred percent a slave and is fully owned by the other. We just happen to not know which one is which. 
but it doesn't matter, right? One way or another, uh, one of these people is fully owned by the other. We just don't know which. That's why we can't make them work. Um, that is, uh, uh, but the our, the our case that we were asking about is when a uh, master frees, uh, makes Hefked his slave and is not owned by him at all, that's where the question is, and therefore we do not have a proof from this Baraita. Baruch Adonai Amen v'Amen.